1: It's up to 2-2 and we've still got more than half an hour to go And here's Ozil, Lacazette, Ozil! Go! Could have went left, <laughs> but it went right
2: Could have won wrong, but it went right
1: Said
4: it was Ian, but it went right oh, one, Now one, we get bars two. on bars on site MVP Classic in the night
5: And we're getting for a headline in the paper Final Now what was Ian it? But I want to see you, right. Man could have had that fight. But man, have that you know, I'm going to walk on site. Man had to that mind. You're not going to spit this time.
1: Trying to work with a good oh, energy. a bad man right? None of these guys can't it's like, oh. it's man, a man, man, That's, man, That's the response
4: focus that in the
2: joy of it. Hello, welcome to another Touchy Gooners podcast live and direct. Um, it's your boy Dan Coogs on hosting duties today. Um I'm joined by Lou Bob and Sean, how you doing?
5: Yes, guys, how you doing, man? All good, all good, all
3: good, man.
2: Yeah, tumult- tumultuous um evening, I guess, a little bit of, of one, but um, you know, we'll, we'll we'll come on to some of the rumors that have been flying about, flying about. But we had a preseason game. Um, on the on the weekend, uh, I managed to catch the highlights. Managed to watch a bit of the the second half um, as well. Sharon, I believe you watched that game. One nil loss to um, to Tottenham um is it what what's what's your because that's the last game of preseason what's your overriding thoughts about how this preseason has gone um how how we're looking for this season to honest?
3: it's not great man you know a lot of people have been like ultimately Arteta really needs the preseason to implement to put a stamp on his ideas um to you know really have his imprint on the team um and you know he's had uh best part of a month six games um you know results have been a mixed bag results don't really concern me that much in preseason. season my, my main focus is on performance you know looking at um, new intricacies to our play and their new tidbits that we're picking up and i have to be totally honest uh, it's looked more of the same you know a lot of the issues that we criticized towards the um back end of last season have, have been similar um you know heavy good chance creation um which has looked sparse you know um, tierney has been the main outlet. Obviously, we know Arteta likes to attack through his five lanes of attack, and Tierney's always pushed up heavily. But you know, more often than not, he's um, crossing the ball into the box, and there's nobody there because he's using Lacazette as a striker who he wants to drop deep and link play. But when everyone's when it's time to get in the box, Lacazette is never there. Do you know what I mean? So um, it, it's, it's it's looked. I it, I'm concerned. Do you know what I mean? Very very concerned. I said after the game like. Losing to Tottenham obviously is never nice, but I didn't really care that much because this preseason, it's more about picking out bits, you know, where we can develop. And, you know, um, one of the things we spoke about initially was Party looked the most sharp player, you know, in preseason before he got that injury against Chelsea. Um, I've liked what I've done with um, but ultimately you know uh, we can't be too reliant on emil smith rowe who isn't a heavy chance creator himself he he can create but you know he creates for a lot of wide comb- combinations and overloads and running in behind for cutbacks and stuff like that um but we don't have like you know um, a dynamic type 10 who is um you know who is a, a ball merchant who likes to take shots who's um taking responsibility himself i think esr can develop that but you know one he's not that yet and two it'd be unfair to put that load on him so we need to find the method to create more chances and to score more goals because, you know, our strikers have looked a joke in pre-season and um, we're not creating enough. So I'm very, very concerned. And, you know, um, the rumours and, you know, the the lack of transfer activity in terms of uh, moving the needle in the first team um, leaves a lot to be desired at this moment in time.
2: I hear you. I hear you. Um, Lewis, um, anything you want to add um, in particular from that? That, that Spurs game or just preseason in general?
5: Yeah, I think um, the Spurs game followed a similar pattern to what we saw maybe in the Chelsea game a little bit. I thought we did quite well for about 15, 20 minutes or so. Um, you know, I felt like the game was quite patchy, but second half, we did nothing. And that followed a similar trend to what we saw last season. You know, we would have like these spells and games where we would look okay, you know, look decent, um, fashion a few chances, look like we're in control and, you know, a semblance of a decent side. And then all of a sudden something would just click and we we were just unable to muster anything. Second half, I don't even think we did. Anything. Um, you know, uh, we were probably lucky to just come away with a one-nil defeat because Spurs missed quite quite a lot of chances. Um similarly, Chelsea Chelsea were getting a lot of chances as well. So whereas last season, I think maybe a slight difference to what we've seen now in pre-season is um last season we looked, you know, reasonably solid, I would say. We weren't creating anything, but at the same time weren't really conceding much as well. We're a bit of a style side, and um but this pre-season. We're conceding a lot of chances, I think, from open play with this new high line, that thing that we're we're, we're trying, Um, set pieces as well, we seem to be particularly um, vulnerable from. So, yeah, look, it doesn't look promising at all, man. It doesn't look promising at all. Um, I think we're all kind of joined in unison as a fan base that these transfer dealings, whilst I'm not angry at any of them, um except maybe the one that we're about to come on to i'm not angry at any of these signings but i think you know the the discontent is there because none of these players are an improvement on you know what we had last year and we're, we're not we're not improving as a team but you look at every team that finished above us last season they've all made improvements they've all made improvements even the teams below us arguably you could say have made improvements you know the only teams that maybe are, are still maybe stagnant are your teams like Everton and and Wolves I'm not too sure how much they've improved but um the fact that we're even comparing ourselves to your Everton your Wolves your Aston Villas and is just damning on on where we are right now that we're kind of looking over our shoulder in eighth you know we, we under under the Wenger era we always used to say well you know we've hit rock bottom you know for, for finishing fourth was rock bottom finishing sixth was rock bottom now we're eighth but, and we can still see below you know it's like it's like we're, we're we're christopher columbus finding the ocean kind of thing we're just deep diving you know we're still finding new depths to go to and it is worrying because um when you look at the history books and you look at like the league table rankings and you know when you just look on paper and you're like, oh, where did this team finish? You can go back to certain you know periods of of our our club's history where you know we would finish twelfth, eleventh, thirteenth, fourteenth, 9th, for five six years concurrently. These things happen in history, and I'm just worrying that we're going through a spell like that in in our club's history where. You know, we could be facing this. We could be facing this period where we, you know, football, they they say it football goes in cycles, right? Football goes in cycles. And um, I'm I'm very worried that we've just become a mid-table team and we don't know how to get back to that that you know that top echelon of, of sides. And you know, we've we've seen teams like Aston Villa, Nottingham Forest, these were massive juggernauts in European football, you know, and they disappeared into mid-table obscurity over a period of time. You know, Liverpool flirted with it as well. So, um, yeah, I mean, look, if that doesn't encapsulate how worried I am, then I don't know what else will. Mute your mute, Dan. I think you both have
2: made some really good points there, to be honest, because I think just to touch on um, something that that Sean said about the chance creation, you know, just looking at, uh, some of the numbers that float float around on Twitter. Um, I think Albino put something out where it said minutes per chance creation, uh, chance created open play. you got Pepe, um, one chance created every 202 minutes, you know, so um, two and a half games or two and a third games or whatever, and he creates one chance. Um, Bamiyan 106 minutes, you know, so he's g- given you one chance every 1.3 games or something as well. Lacazette won every 88 minutes. Um even Saka won every 88 minutes. Um and then you get up to Erdogan and Smith Rowe who are both on 54 minutes. So it just looks like when we're playing Pepe Abamiang, Lacazette up top, we basically pretty much know that we're not going to get any chances. And asking Smith Rowe to be that you know single creative burden um probably isn't going to give us um, what we want at the top end. Um, Even when you add Saka to that, um, and maybe if you take the likes of a Lacazette out, you're basically just looking at the statistics, even though Saka is a good facilitator um, of of our attack and play. He's not really a high-volume chance creator like that. So um, if we're going to be stuck with these forwards um, for for the 21-22 season, it's going to be very, very difficult for us to, you know, become this high-goal-scoring team. Um, unless I don't know, we turn into you know like a big high press inside um, where we create chances that way because it doesn't look like these men have it in them to sort of create chances out of nothing, create scoring opportunities. Um, and I think that is a major, major problem. Um, Shabs, um, I'll come to you uh, just to get your thoughts on you know preseason, how you think we're shaping up, how you think we're looking um, for 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 this upcoming upcoming year.
4: Yo, I said I said this last week. Um, I haven't shifted on my view. Big up to everyone who kind of listened last week and heard what I was saying then. I'm not my view hasn't changed. I've seen nothing in the past seven days to change my opinion or change my mind on how our preseason's gone. I actually think it's been shoddy, very meaty, very underwhelming as preseason in terms of performances. Um, it hasn't given me any reason to be excited coming into the new season, like at all. Like, you know, pre season is really supposed to be a time which, um, you know, like just uh, g- gives you a chance as a fan to hit the reset button, get a bit excited, get a bit excited about new, um, new incomings. Look at Shamar, <laughs> big yourself up though. But, um, yeah, man, it's just for, for me, I'm just. Not excited at all, and um, yeah, man, I don't think it's going to be a good one,
2: yeah. So, let me let me even come on to, come on to some of, some of the, the stuff that's been floating around Twitter today because obviously, you know, Arsenal spent some money, um, this transfer window, um, 50 million pounds on, on Ben White. Um, we don't know whether or not that's, that guy's going to be a good signing or not, but I think most people can agree. Uh, can agree that you know 50 million pounds is a lot of money to be spending on that position. Um, we spent you know about 15 million uh pounds 20 million euro on uh, uh Lokonga Big Sambi, who to be fair to him has looked quite sharp in pre season. I'm liking what I'm seeing the, the, the no touch turns, the uh, long balls off of both feet, line breaking passes. He looks like a, a sharp um, and astute signing. Um Nuno Tavares, backup left back. We know we suffered last year without um, a backup left back uh, for under ten million pound. But today, the big one that's come out, um, Aaron Ramsdale looks like we're we're negotiating with Sheffield United. And looks like we've made some progress over twenty-four million pound fee, rising up to six million. So that would take our spend if that if that one does go through, one hundred five million um, pounds this summer. And as far as I'm concerned, really. Ben White is pretty much the only surefire first team signing. And I think his quality, despite how he's looked in these sort of short cameos in pre-season, is definitely suspect, you know, um, in terms of in comparison to, to David Luiz. So I'm here and I'm sort of scratching my head. Just to be like, you know, well, if we we, we did podcasts um, at the end of last season, we said what the priority positions are, where we would spend this money. Um, The club and Arteta was talking about the resources that he's going to have. You know, he feels really backed and he feels really supported by the owners. There was a lot of smoky, smoky chat, right? So if we now spend £105 million, the first eleven has not been upgraded and we're starting the season. We got a, a tough game against Brentford away. We know they're, they're a decent football inside. They've got some good players in there. We're going to do a preview of that um, shortly. But and then, we, but we got Man City um, and then Chelsea in in the weeks after that. And we're supposed to go into these games knowing that they've got hundred million pound players that they've added. to they're already title winning and Champions League winning teams. How are we supposed to go into this season with any sort of confidence that we're in the correct shape, considering we finished eighth on our first level? It has gotten worse. And
5: um,
2: Lewis, I'll come to you.
5: First. The 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 first the first month of the season is a write off, right? So we we've I think I think they've 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 put the nail in the coffin for the first three games of the season. So maybe maybe Brentford. Look, I don't know anything about Brentford. We see how these teams translate from Championship to Premier League. You know, um, I, I would still expect us to beat Brentford, right? Um, but though. I, <laughs> The, the, the difficult thing is, is even had we signed Madison and, and a centre midfielder, I don't think any of us particularly go into the games against Man City and Chelsea expecting anything, you know, drastic. I don't think we expected to win those games. Um, so in that regard, look, it's not going to, um, it's not going to change much in terms of, um, you know, the results on the table. I, from the first three games, I expect three points anyway, irregardless of signings, OK. the 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 issue is is obviously then this is compounded by the fact that we haven't signed anyone right we haven't we we haven't we haven't made any um groundbreaking signings so the pressure is going to be on our tech even if we lose to chelsea 1-0 wait wait wait, wait, which is the game at home is it chelsea or man city
2: chelsea
5: chelsea so even if we lose at home to chelsea 1-0 right and and we give a decent account of ourselves the fan pressure at that game is going to be immense. It's going to be immense, and it would have been a different kind of pressure had we gone out and bought Madison. Had we gone out and and signed a centre midfielder, it'd be it'd just be different. The the, the pressure's just not going to be a bit about the result. It's going to be about the frustration of 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 not doing any transfer business. And and in and in, in this day and age, transfer business is like the thing we get most upset about. Right? We get so upset about you know um the the players that we don't sign more so than the the results on a saturday it seems like more time um but that's that's the world we live in and we, we we some of us dislike the transfer window some of us like the transfer window me i'm getting to the stage now Raj want to football manager go on holiday september 1st where are we okay because i'm i'm getting tired of moaning about the shoulda woulda could i don't know what's going to happen i don't know and I, I, and it is it's emotionally draining that um you know complaining and having these debates i mean we we debate all day in our group chat about things that we don't even know if they're gonna happen or not it is it's deeply concerning that we we've got to this stage though and dan look you were right to be concerned at the very start of the window and you know what we were saying to you dan hold fire look let's just see where we are you know there's an international tournament going i think we're only about a week into the window or whatever but you know I, i don't think this is a where, where, where I have some kind of sympathy, although it's a very, very small amount, 2%, is that this doesn't seem to be just an issue for Arsenal. I feel like we need to shift players in order to get players done. And, you know, some of that is this regime's fault in terms of your Williams and, um, you know, some of the players that we've signed up, like Cedric. Um, whereas we're also trying to still shift players from the Wenger era right? Your matches you know, we've just got rid of Mustafi and That These are still players that we're, we're you know, struggling to get off of, off of the books. And that's where, you know, some of my sympathy, you know, is with them because we've seen with other clubs, you know, you, you, they can't, you can't even, even Lingard is still at Man United. They can't sign him, even though he had a fantastic um, season with West Ham. Was it a season or half a season with West Ham? You know, they, they can't even shift, someone like lingard chelsea have got had like 40 players in preseason. you know man city they can't even shift players like bernardo Silva. so what chance do we have with players like kolosinac and fucking uh reese nelson we don't we don't we don't stand a chance so listen it's, it's a bed we've made for ourselves not just this regime but previous regimes and this is why you have to be smart with your business because you know in three years time we could still be making the same mistakes that we are now, making them in three years' time and having the same results, wondering, oh, why can't we get rid of Xhaka on, you know, 120k a week? You know, expecting to get rid of Xhaka to bring in a new centre midfielder. It's just going to be the same shit. And and this is why I'm tired of this football club. I'm just fucking, just up to my fucking tits with this football club.
2: Mm. Yeah, comprehensive. Comprehensive there, Lewis. I think that was a nice... A nice little rant. You had lots to get off your get off your <laughs> chest there, man. Um so Shell and I'll come to you now because obviously I want to talk specifics. Yeah, I want to talk Aaron Ramsdale. Yeah, because it looks everyone's reporting it, it looks like this one is actually gonna, gonna happen. Yeah. So let's 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 talk to me about this because I, 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 I need to get my head around this. I need to know what it is the club is seeing that I'm not seeing. Because this is a guy that I've actually been lambasting from when he was at Bournemouth. I, I was sat there with um, with Tottenham Tobes, Tapping Tobes, and just lambasting this guy fuck every Tobes, week. Saying, fuck Tobes, man. Yeah, fuck, fuck Tobes, obviously. Fuck Tobes, <laughs> but but I, I've been there lambasting, laughing at this guy, saying this guy's a terrible goalkeeper. He should not be playing in this league, league one level, doesn't make saves, costs his team points every week. Da, 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 da. Then I see his name linked with Arsenal Football Club, and I, I'm I literally I felt I felt sick to my stomach. Um, so I need I need someone to rationalize this. I need someone to tell me what it is I'm not seeing. I need to feel better that this club is spending the better part of thirty million pounds on Aaron Ramsdale.
3: But it's, it's it's not going to be, be me that rationalizes it for you. That's, that's, that's for sure. <laughs> Listen, I could
5: have a go, but you know it, nah, do, it, I, it just won't make much sense. Uh, it, it doesn't I, I, make much sense.
3: I don't think there's any defending it at all. I saw um the quote from Matt Ryan this morning. You know where he was asked about um going back coming back to Arsenal and he said um they they spoke to Arsenal but they said he wasn't high up on a list of priorities. And the sense they were getting is that um you know, uh, Arsenal are very keen on a homegrown goalkeeper. Um, and obviously that fits in with what Charles Watt said on his YouTube video earlier today, you know, because um, w- which was making me sick was that Anana's representatives are baffled that Arsenal are not making a move <laughs> for him and obviously instead we're choosing to prioritise Ramsdale. So obviously it seems very much that that we want um, a homegrown goalkeeper and, and that's going to be the focus, um, which makes you just want to rip your hair out after what happened with martinez last summer because we had a homegrown goalkeeper who's now one of the best goalkeepers in the league who just won Copper america <laughs> as well and we could have just avoided all of this crap um you know we're spending up to it's rumored to be up to 30 million which i think is absolutely abhorrent like you um i don't i wouldn't want him regardless Do you know what i mean like you said before even arsenal were linked this was a goalkeeper. I, was like, I think this goalkeeper is abysmal. You know, and I I always get into debates on it, and I'm asking people to ask to tell me what are his redeeming qualities, bar the fact that he's young and homegrown and he's paid a lot of and he's had a lot of minutes for someone of his relative experience. You know, if if we look to believe what Arteta wants, you know, in terms of having a goalkeeper who is very good with with the ball at his feet. Anana tick those boxes, a goalkeeper who sort of dominates his area. I've not seen Ramsdale dominate anything, um, you know. And, you know, one of the basics we always expect for a goalkeeper is to be a good shot stopper. He even looks like an average shot stopper. Um, saw that goal he conceded on the opening day to Birmingham last week. I thought his positioning was suspect. So I just feel like there's loads of holes in the game. Um, you know, people keep telling me he's young with loads of upside. I mean, upside is contingent on me seeing stuff that is promising already. I don't think I've seen enough stuff that is promising. So, um, you know, for me, one of the things that's annoying me is that call, even if you want a homegrown goalkeeper, and you don't want to go for an honour or someone like that, there's guys like Freddie Woodman, um, Sam Johnston available, who will cost a fraction of that price. Do you know what I mean? Um, so, yeah, it, it, it's really, really frustrating. Um, and and I'm, I'm saying, I said to you in the group chat today, I'm assuming... We've done willing to spend so much. This guy isn't coming in as a backup, by the way. He might not start the season, but eventually, if we do buy him, I think the club earmarked this guy as a number one. So um, so he needs to show me something. I'll support him if he comes, but really and truthfully, I just I don't really know what I'm supposed to be seeing from him. I I he doesn't tick any boxes for me. For me, if I'm rating him, he's a real four, five out of ten goalkeeper. And 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 that's saying that's saying a lot. So I, I think it's very, very disappointing. And what will make me even angrier is if um, the club now turn around after this and say they don't have money for certain other sign-ins, you know, because like you said, 105 million if this transfer, if this transfer comes off and there's there's no improvement on the first team. Do you know what I mean? So I think there's, there's a lot to be said for the manager, for the regime. And I will be on the front line at the Emirates. You have no excuse. You have no excuse. You've been backed heavily. Do you know what I mean? So I don't want to, like for example, the Madison stuff. I do not want to hear you if, Potentially it is true after spending nearly thirty million on Aaron Ramsdale, fifty million on Ben on Ben White, you cannot come and turn around to me and tell me that James Madison at sixty to seventy million is too expensive because I'm not gonna hear it and fans are not gonna hear it. So um these guys if anything
5: if if, sorry, sorry, if anything, us signing someone like Ramsdale for thirty million, doesn't that then say to Leicester, Oh, okay, you value my mind at thirty million? (laughs) So why are you bulking at sixty million for Madison? Surely Madison is at least three times the player of Ramsdale is. Exactly.
4: We, we 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 had that this, this very debate in the group chat early on in the transfer window when we were talking about priorities and optics and and whatnot. Um, and this is the point exactly. And it kind of goes back. Sorry, Sean, I don't I, I do want to hijack your point, but it goes back to last season as well with the Awa stuff where it's kind of like, all right, you, you identified our you identified parte, you got parte done. Um, which I still think was very poor execution considering all you needed to do was meet a release clause. Um you failed to get our done because it, you you know you 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 were short on funds because of of other issues. It's about prioritization within your window and you come in with a very clear strategy about the targets that you're after and you order the targets. That you're going after and if we think about the order of business that we've done in this window it is absolutely horrendous but you know what i'm i'm, I'm gonna let you finish sean because i'm i'm storing i'm i'm storing
3: that uh, no, I'm, I'm pretty much done. I hope that answers the question with regards to Ramsdale, Dan. I I, I think it's I think it's a poor sign-in. I don't think it's a good sign-in. I think we could get a goalkeeper at a much cheaper price to summarise. And like I said, if it um, impacts on our spending elsewhere, I'm going to be very, very angry um, come the end of the window. So these guys have got, you know, under three weeks now to pull a couple rabbits out the hat. If they don't, um, fans are back at the stadium. Temperatures are going to rise. Arteta is going to feel the full force unless they start well. So...
5: The, the, the only thing I would say is just to be balanced, right? Um, is I, I'm not a fan of Ramsdale at all. Okay. I, I was in the similar boat as you, man. I was watching this every guy every week and I was like, fucking hell, this guy's poor. The only thing I would say is that his um just looking at his like metrics as a goalkeeper, nothing stands off of the page as being particularly brilliant, but they're not as bad as I thought they would be. So like um like his post-shot XG stuff. It's, it's actually positive which normally would be a sign of a decent shot stopper it's not high on the list but it's not he's not like in a negative which means that he's not conceding more than he is expected to in comments now i know i, I don't know how much these metrics you know but it, if you look at like the people at the top they're the people you would expect to be at the top so normally when you're looking at metrics if i if if those stats meet my eye test then i'm I'm thinking they're going to be pretty handy metrics to go by, right? Uh, also, uh, sorry, gone,
3: No, no, so I was just going to say then, with, with that in mind, because for me, I'm bulking at Rams. Ramsdale at any price, by the way. It's not even a case of, obviously, the price we're paying is ridiculous. But even at 10 million, I'm just not interested. I would rather buy Sam Johnston. I have to be totally honest with you. I think the price oh. is
5: ridiculous, yeah. I think the price is ridiculous, 100%. The, but the reason he is expensive is, I think he, my he, second he, point... He, he,
3: Sorry, yeah, he he only joined Sheffield United last summer, in it from Bournemouth, so and they paid like eighteen mil. Exactly, and even then,
5: at that time, I was like, that is not a good signing, even for Sheffield United, and he's a downgrade on Henderson. I felt Um, he is clearly rated by the national team setup, and it's not just our goalkeeping coach who who seems to like him. I think there's probably a goalkeeping union out there that finds that thinks this guy is pretty handy. I can't see it it personally, right? I can't see it, but his stats are not as bad as I thought they were. He's definitely a lot more commanding and, and better aerially um, than Leno is, Uh, which, you know, is something we bemoan of Leno, that the fact that he is not great from crosses, you know, set pieces, we look a bit weak with Leno in the side. Um, So from that aspect You know, I think he's better than Leno in that regard. But from a purely shot stopping um, thing, I think there's serious question marks about this. And also, I don't really think he's particularly great on the ball. Like he's not, you know, if we're we're looking at English goalkeepers, you know, being good on the ball, he's not, not, I don't think he's as good as Jordan Pickford, you know. Um, And I think he's probably up there with like a, I I don't think, I think Jordan Pickford is a better shot stopper than him as well, which is saying something because I don't think Jordan Pickford is particularly great either if i'm being honest but i think it's probably a jordan pickford-esque signing if i'm being honest everton signed pickford for what 35 million was it around 30, that thirty million, yeah 30 million so i think it's probably in the vicinity of a, a jordan pickford signing. i don't think everton have got value for money for for jordan pickford he's had a great euros um and I, I think Aaron Ramsdale will probably be of that ilk as well, if I'm being honest. He's got he's got age on his side. I'm looking for positives here, guys. I'm scrambling. I really am scrambling. He's got age on his side. Goalkeepers don't enter their peak. We saw with Martinez. Martinez looked absolutely shocking when he was 24 years old. You know, uh, we were worried when he was coming into the team, you know, and then boom, he's hit 27, 28 and he's in the peak of his powers Listen. Anything can happen. If they if if they get this right, then kudos to them because you know the whole fan base is against this signing.
2: Yeah. So I think I think that's that's a good place to to sort of leave that discussion, um, Lewis. I think we're all sort of hoping that boom Arsenal see something that we don't because otherwise this signing um, the way that it's been prioritised alongside Ben White, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera, it's it's very confusing. Um, personally spend a 30 million pound on a goalkeeper when you still need attacking players, uh, still need a strike, I still need a number 10, still need a right back um, that you would think would propel us forward a bit more than um, a backup goalkeeper would. Um, would it says to me that these must have money, you know, because otherwise I just think it's, it's just inexplicable, the priorities and, and, and where this money's been been spent. Um, We do have a game to play this week, lads. Friday night football um, under the lights. We're going away to Brentford. And to discuss this and preview this game, um, we've got Jay Harris from The Athletic to tell us a bit more about Brentford, a bit more about their their dangers, their danger men, what they've done this summer, and and what we sort of have in store for us um, on Friday. So. Jay, thank you very much for, for jumping on the pot. And um, much appreciated. My pleasure. How you doing, Jay? Yeah, all oh, good, thanks, guys. I,
5: I I assume that you're a bit more upbeat about this season than we are.
0: Yeah, I think it goes without saying.
2: <laughs> Is that an invitation to get into it straight away or yeah, yeah, for sure. So Jay, it would be good if you um Tell the listeners a bit more about yourself, your career so far, um, how you got involved um, working for The Athletic and what, what kind of stuff we can um, look for from you uh, in terms of the content you're going to be putting out this season. Yeah, 16.
0: So, um, yeah, Jay Harris, everyone. Um, Hopefully you'll be hearing and seeing a lot of me over the, the course of the season, especially if Brentford do well. Um, been at The Athletic only for about 16 days now. So very, very early doors. Um, I was at Sky Sports News for five years before that, four and a half years, straight out of uni. Um, Opportunity to to cover a club came up at The Athletic and I was never going to turn that down. And Brentford have been absolutely amazing so far. It's been a good journey. For people who aren't really that familiar with The Athletic, our model's a little bit different to other places. Um, There's very much an emphasis on in-depth quality reporting. Um, And so I've kind of got a licence to explore things that interest me. So last week, I got the opportunity to go down to the stadium, get an exclusive tour and just find out about some of the -the behind-the-scenes features. They've got a sensory room, which is for people, especially families that maybe find the normal football atmosphere intimidating. And I quite like shining the light on stuff like that. Obviously, also kind of investigate stuff that the fans are really interested in. So, Johan Visser, who's obviously just signed yesterday, hopefully we'll be doing a piece in the next few days about a little bit more about what
2: he offers. Mm. Nice one, nice one. That's very... Um, very interesting stuff so let's get into the into the nitty gritty i guess um ivan Tony, um I, I think we've got the confirmation today that he's going to be starting um against arsenal on friday um i've got him in my fantasy football football team i'm expecting him to do to do some 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 bits you know like some other championship strikers have done when they've um, you know been promoted so is he you know, Brentford's key man this, this season. You know, is he the one that's gonna be responsible for, for getting the goals to keep Brentford up, etc.? Yeah, I think I think
0: that's the case without a shadow of a doubt. Um Ivan obviously broke the championship goal scoring record last season, got thirty-one goals. Um, then he got two more in the playoffs, big goals in the playoffs as well, when they were 2 0 down on aggregate against Swansea in the second leg of the semi and a few minutes into the final at Wembley. Um and I've had the opportunity to speak to and interview Ivan already. And what kind of comes across is this guy is fearless. This guy's confidence is through is the roof. Um, I don't know how many people know, but he was at Newcastle earlier in his career. Started off at Northampton, got a move to Newcastle when they were under Rafa Benitez. And I think he played twice in the Premier League. We're talking five, six minutes tops on each occasion. He's obviously then dropped down into League Two, League One. He's learnt his trade. He's you know He's roughed it down in those lower leagues. And he's just come up and he's absolutely shining now. And he, he scores pretty much all of his goals in the box. I think every goal he scored last year was in the box. And the guy's a threat from set pieces. He gets a lot of headers. So that's what you guys can obviously expect on, on Friday evening.
2: For Sure. So, Sean, um, you got any thoughts on, on Tony? Because I know he was actually linked with us at certain points um, last season. Um, I was looking at him heavily on YouTube, trying to scout him, see whether or not I think he could maybe make this step up. So um, any thoughts on, on Tony and, you know, Pablo Marin uh, has looked very shaky in in, uh, in, in pre-season. So what, what do you make of that battle?
3: He looks like the sort of striker we're going to struggle against. One of the, some of the things that have stuck out in pre-season, we've spoken about, you know, crosses into the box from set pieces. Tony's a big guy, um, but he also looks to have a decent degree of mobility to him as well. So I feel like, yeah... Um, we don't have the most physically imposing center backs, would I say, do you know what I mean? I feel like Pablo Mari can be rag rolled a bit. Um, there's not enough of a data set on Ben White. He's quite, an, you know, front foot aggressive defender, but we need to see him up against, you know, big um, sort of bustling type strikers, you know, and he's going to get that in his first two games against Tony and then Lukaku. So um, um, yeah, I'll be interested to see. I like the look of Tony. Um, I don't know what his level is, um, but I think, you know, Setting the championship record it, from from a goal-scoring perspective is very, very impressive um, because, you know, you've got Ollie Watkins who scored, what, around 15 goals last season, I think, um, for Villa, but um, Antoni completely obliterated his record for Brentford. So I feel like, you know, he has the transferable skill set. He's, he's a strong, big guy, um, shoots well off his left foot as well, so and he's good in the air. So I, I feel like he definitely has the skill set to trouble this weather. Brentford can make enough chances for him, and you know whether they have enough of them—a um, threat in games to, to you know, to take to take um, control and have enough chances for him. But let's see. I'm I'm definitely worried about him on Friday.
2: Yeah, for sure. So, Jay, what? Let's 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 get into the numbers, right? What do you put? How many goals do you predict Tony is going to end up with um, at the end of the season? Because I think, um, as Sean mentioned, there's been a few Brentford strikers that have played Premier League pool, I think. Neil Maupire, he's come in, I think he's got 10 um, for Brighton in his first season in the league. Um, Watkins went to Astrid, he got 14 um, in the league last season. So um, Tony's got the best record out of all of them for Brentford so far. So now Brentford have finally made it up. Um, how many do you think he can actually bat, um over a whole season?
0: So in the interview I did a couple of weeks ago, obviously if you guys haven't checked it out, please do. Um, I did ask him that question. He never reveals his goals target. So I thought OK, let me ask you in a slightly different way. Um, Ollie Watkins got 14 last year. Patrick Bamford got 17. They, those guys come straight up from the Championship. And I said, do you think, you is it your plan to match them? And he said, I'm aiming higher than that. So, you know, he, he's basically saying he wants to get 20 goals this season. Um, do I think he'll get that? I think if he gets maybe 12, 13, 14, he's had an outstanding season. But I think what Ivan said to me was that, the way his mindset is, the way his mentality works, he would rather shoot for something ridiculous and fall short than aim for 10 goals and be like, and hit 10 goals and be like, Oh, I'm happy I've done it. He's like, right, let me try and hit 25, 20. And if I hit 18, then, you know, at least I was really pushing myself. And like I said earlier, you, you have to admire that, that confidence.
2: Yeah, for sure. For sure. So if we step away from um, Ivan, I, I, I have to say, I'm worried about him. Um, Tomorrow, I watched that championship um, playoff final, and I, I saw he hit some rasping shot straight off the the crossbar early in that game as well. I was like, "Yeah, this guy's he's not he's not here to play around. You know, he's serious. He, he's on smoke." Um, so I'm definitely worried about that matchup between Tony and Pablo Mari. But if we step away from Tony, um, there is a ex Arsenal um, centre mid, Joshua Silva, who um, had a good season in the Champions League uh, championship um, last season. So who 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 do you think are Brentford sort of other danger men, the ones to watch um, this season, the ones that are going to cause us um, some issues uh, in the game on Friday the most?
0: Just on Josh De because I saw a, a comment pop up about it that he was going to give Xhaka the ring around, which did uh, did make me chuckle. Um, Josh De Silva is going to be out for a long time. Um, no one really no one really knows how long. suffered a hip injury towards the end of last season. I think it was maybe February time, very end of February, beginning of March. Um, and I think the club and, and obviously Josh himself just want to be as careful with quite a sensitive injury like that as possible. So obviously, firstly, it's a shame because I'm sure that would have been a big moment for him playing against Arsenal in the Premier League. And it looks like he probably won't even be seen before Christmas at this rate. Um, but going on to other danger men, Brentford played Man United in a pre-season friendly at Old Trafford two weeks ago, and I was lucky to go there. And there were some wild goals in that game. Andres Pereira hit a crazy volley. But watch Brian and bumo's goal because of the touch to get away from Diogo Dalot and then the finish past Tom Heaton, I think a lot of clubs are going to be on the end of, of his ability this year. Um, going further back, Frank Onyeka, who they've just signed from Midtjyllands, he looks unbelievable. He's called um, free-kick Frank or Frank the Tank. So he's called free-kick Frank because he used to give free-kicks away a lot when he was younger. He was that aggressive. And now he's just Frank the Tank because he don't you don't use the ball. So I think on Friday night, what you'll find is if Ben White or Xhaka, you know, they're trying to build up play slowly from the back, is just gonna fly in. And I think you'll notice that within the first 10-15
2: minutes. Thanks. Thanks for that. And Shabs, because I know that you're, you know, a, a good a good watcher of the, the championship from time to time. I know you're you're a big football fan. So, you know, of of Brentford that you saw last season, you know, what what do you reckon about um you know some of their danger men? And I know you're a De Silver fan. Um, but
4: yeah. where do you think they're going to cause us um, the, the most issues? Yeah, I think just on um, Tony, he's a penalty box man. Like he's a penalty box striker. So I think that it, it it depends on which Arsenal turn up, but um, he claps his goals from in that in that area, and that's where he has the most fun. And I think the fact that he's up for the physical battle. Um, If we sit deep, if they pin us back, if they put us under pressure and get uh, balls into the box, in the air, on the ground or whatever, I think he's going to sniff out a few chances. Like, you know, they will sniff out a few chances against us and I I worry about that threat. Um, I like that guy, Shandon Baptiste as well, the midfielder. Um, You know, I I think he's decent. I made a joke about it a couple of weeks ago. I think after that... um, um, I can't remember whether it was after their game against United, but we played as well And I was like, that Shandon Baptiste is going to spin Xhaka in the middle of the park as well. I think he's the one to worry about, not De Silva, for obvious reasons. I think um, Christopher Ayer as well, the one that they signed from Celtic, um, he's an interesting one for me because he um, he can kind of play He, he plays centre-back um, he he he's had some odd ones where like he's kind of playing right back for or centre back, but he's bombing down the right wing for Celtic, just absolutely bombing on. Like he's an absolute giant of a of a centre back. I think he's six five six six. He's got long strides. He doesn't look like one of those footballers who's quick, but his legs just carry him, and he can cover up a lot of ground very quickly. So I think he might play at the back um, if he's down to start. I'm not sure. Um, or he, he he's one of those players who's is is quite competent in midfield as well. I'm not sure about the level, but he could also probably do a job in midfield. So yeah, I think, um, and I think they'll be quite solid and a bit difficult for us to break down. And bear in mind the conversation that we had earlier about creating chances or not being able to create chances. I think if they stand their ground. Um, i think that we will struggle to create chances against these lot i do honestly it is a game that arsenal should win like honestly speaking but i'm just yeah the 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 current mood the current tone i'm not very confident i'm not very confident about the game on friday um especially because of the business or the lack of the business that we've done over the summer (laughs) i haven't seen any internal solutions um it doesn't look like we've solved our um our, our primary issues from last season so yeah i think they could they can come through, and and again, like they're they're quite an interesting one because um, yeah, I think their coach is quite progressive. I think their coach actually looks to try and play football, so they're an interesting one because they could um, they could be all about survival, or they could actually just like actually just try and try and play games a little bit like the way Norwich did, a little bit like the way Leeds um, Le- Leeds done to, to 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 degrees of success last season. I think they could just come in and you know, not worry too much about um, other other teams and allow teams to underestimate them. And I think that could work in their favour as well. I think we'll
5: definitely underestimate
4: them. Yeah. Uh,
5: yeah. Jay, I just... Sorry, Dan, do you mind if I just asked Jay a question? question. Um, Jay, I just wanted to basically ask um, some questions about your transfer business. Um, Obviously, as Arsenal fans, we are... Um, you know, very sceptical of the people running the club, the people in charge of transfers. And, you know, um, we have a lot to say about, you know, every every player who is linked. Um, I, I, obviously, Brentford have a very unique model. And, you know, the way you, that Brentford identify players is um, has worked very well for yourselves, um, you know, for people who don't know. Uh, much about Brentford's um, transfer dealings and how you how how data is used and the scouting techniques used. I suggest you go and find out because it's very interesting. And I do wonder how it's going to translate to the Premier League. Um, I think it will probably be um a breath of fresh air actually to the way the Premier League clubs do conduct business. But I just wanted to ask you um do you do you guys uh, as a fan base Sit back and and just like trust the guys running the club because you've had like this uh, track record of success. Or do you like Arsenal fans as well? Do you guys like question the business? Like, oh, what f- fourteen million for Christopher Ayer from Celtic? I mean, like, I don't, know. I'm not sure if that's good business. I I, I don't know. I've never seen the geezer play before, but um, it's just I-, I just wonder what you guys do as as fans. Like, do you question the club's business, or are you very much um? You know entrusting of the, of these guys running the club to make the right decisions
0: i think um the fans trust the club implicitly i was talking to one of the club historians recently. must be nice <laughs> <laughs> I, I, was, I was speaking to one of the club historians recently um for a piece that's coming up on the athletic and this guy this gentleman rather he's been supporting brentford since i think the 60s and for him he just said that the way that the club have changed over the last 10 years they completely recognise and accept the facts. they're not going to be able to outgun the vast majority of clubs, not just in the Premier League, in the Championship. You know, they come from their famous chant is that they're just a bus stop in Hounslow because they're from such a small part of West London. Um, but what that fan said to me was that Brentford out clever teams. And I think that's shown implicitly by even the transfer business they've done in this window. You know, I was also linked with Newcastle, who in theory are a bigger club than Brentford but he's gone to the Brentford project. I think that kind of speaks volumes of the culture that they've built with inside the club, that that project is more attractive to him than Newcastle. And more importantly, Arkea Ayers come from Celtic and, you know, there's always going to be a little bit of banter between England and Scotland about the quality of the leagues. But Ayers played in the Europa League. He's 23 years old. He's also played in the Champions League. Frank Onyeka was playing for Mitchelland against Liverpool and Atalanta in the Champions League last year. For a newly promoted club to get players like that, that is not to be sniffed at. And, you know, you see some teams in the Premier League, Villa and Fulham have been really, really, really guilty of it over the last few years, where they just splurge 100 million, 120 million, and all these names, and that scattergun approach clearly doesn't work. Um, I was sat in Thomas Pre- Thomas Frank's press conference earlier, rather, and I asked him about Johan Visser, who they signed yesterday. And I said, how long have you guys kind of been scouting this guy for? Thinking he might say six months because he's only been playing in league uh, for a year and he went May 2020 so they've been watching these guys for a serious serious amount of time so I think yeah everyone all of the fans just trust what the board do completely there's been a few misses obviously but there's way way more hits
5: yeah it's it's interesting because I feel like um just sorry just to relate this back to Arsenal as well obviously um when Arsene Wenger first came and you know in in the late 90s we we saw that he had this like stranglehold over, you know, young French talent, uh, talent that hadn't been uncovered in, in in France from the Premier League. Right. And we look at um, Brentford and you guys are, you know, have a, a heavy uh, Danish uh, contingent in your in your squad. But I feel like that's quite an interesting thing. Right. Because that is your niche area. That is Brentford's niche target zone right any player in any player that's popping in Denmark you know Brentford will be top of the table they will look to pinch talent and people might you know oh it's only Denmark but I'll tell you what Denmark are producing top quality footballers these days we look at the um the Euros Denmark had high level technicians in their team players who you know came away from that tournament and thinking bloody hell we could we could we could do with with some of that, and that, that's not just Denmark as well. That's Norway, um, some Swedish players as well. There there is a growing trend in very technically proficient footballers in Scandinavia, and I just find it interesting that Brentford do seem to have like this stranglehold over you know the um, the I, I don't know if it stretches to the whole of Scandinavia, but I know you've got like a lot of of Danish players, and then um, I I just wonder like your thoughts on on you know uh, you know. How how well that translates to the Premier League? You know, how well do you see these players acclimatizing to the Premier League? So for those that don't know, I can explain why
0: there's such like a heavy Danish influence at the club. So Rasmus Ankerson met the club's owner, Matthew Benham, about I think it was 2012. Um, and there's a very funny story about how they, they met, but it's too long to go over here. Um and Rasmus started working for Matthew Benham at Brentford. Um and Rasmus, after a while, kind of suggested, Matthew, you should consider, you know. Buying another club in another league, trying what you're trying to do at Brentford, but maybe in a smaller league where the attention's not going to be that fierce. Because I think when Brentford started doing some of this recruitment stuff, when they got rid of the academy and went to a B team, there was a, a big backlash. But everybody that's praising them now, there are a lot of people back in the day saying, This isn't how we do football in England. Um, but, anyways, they then bought Mid-Jaland, um, because Rasmus grew up as a Midland fan. So, A lot of people at the club hold dual roles at both clubs. So Brentford's co-director of football, Rasmus, is the chairman at Midland. The head of recruitment at Brentford, Lee Dykes, is also the head of recruitment at Midland. Thomas Frank was the Denmark under-17 coach 10 or so years ago. So a lot of the players that are 25, 26, 27, 28 now, he was very aware of their talents back in the day. And I think... It's obviously a niche they've used to their advantage and you have to do that sometimes. But I think at the same time, they also recognise that can't just be the thing that they're, they're known for. They've picked Vitaly from, I think it's Bundesliga side, Bochum. And I think he wasn't even playing in their first team. And now he's about to play in the Premier League and smashed it. They're just very smart. They don't just look at Scandinavia, obviously. Their recruitment team really just operate in all of these different markets across the world because they've realised that there are a lot of very good players who are maybe overperforming in teams that aren't particularly good. Where if you pop them into a system that's better suited their style, they'd absolutely flourish, and it's clearly proven to be the
5: case. Real uh, money ball at, at its finest. Yeah, I love yeah. it. And I, I just, I just wanted to throw in as well because one set Sorry, one sec, Sorry, what oh, did you oh, say, Jay? Sorry. So you're not allowed to say money ball. Why? Uh,
0: so I think it's just what everyone says. It's I think it's right. Like, okay. A Bit of a like. No, I'm, I'm A cliche
5: doing kind of thing, yeah, yeah, yeah. I get you, I get you.
0: It's, I
5: think, but plenty of football clubs have tried it, right, and not, not really, been successful at it. So yeah.
0: but no, yeah, go, go on, sorry.
4: Sorry, champ. Yeah, no, nah, and I was just saying that like, for those who don't know, Rasmus Ankerson is like, you know, like just, just, just big in the game as far as talent ID, and you know, he's he's he, he's done a lot for Scandinavian football. I'd say, um, just in terms of. In, in, in terms of pathways for players, especially into um, into like um, uh, professional football. And, it, you know, he's got a book actually that I read some time ago, The Goldmine Effect, um, you know, he's talking about elite performance, like high performance athletes and, and, and what you do and how you kind of find and uncover and unearth these gems. So, um, yeah, for, to, to me, they're absolutely a club who... Like it, 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 doesn't sound like like it's a it's a contrast to, to to Arsenal and where we're at actually because there's a lot of thought that goes into what it is that they're doing. Like you know, Jay, Jay mentioned about the academy again. A, a lot of people don't know this as well. Brentford ditched away with the academy some years ago. You know, um, I think they just run a B team. I'm not I'm I'm not entirely um, clued up on how that works and how that operates, but they're just there just doing their thing. And um, it works for them. And I think, you know, they came close to promotion. It's not a fluke. They came close to promotion, didn't quite, um, didn't quite get it. And then, um, you know, they had to spend another season there. And I think they looked at what it was that they were missing and they, they were missing experience in a few key areas. Didn't want to overhaul the side too much. Didn't want to do anything radical or drastic. They just, you know done a few bits and bobs a few smart acquisitions and they, you know they they they've done the business this time round they're here so for me it's very deliberate they belong here um at this point in time and i think they'll be decent i think that i think they will be decent
5: there's there's another <laughs> arsenal there's another arsenal player at brentford right Do, um, well former arsenal player dominic thompson um i am not too sure H- how has he fared at brentford so far yeah, he's
4: been alright he's
0: played think played four or five out of the preseason games, to be honest. Um, so he kind of competes at left-back, left-wing-back with Rico Henry. Um, and obviously, Rico Henry was in the championship um, team of the season last year. Um, and he's just come back from injury. And against Valencia the other day, he looked hot. He looked like he, this boy means business. Um, so Dom's obviously kind of probably recognises that he's got to kind of play second fiddle to Rico this year. But um, from what I've seen, especially over the last few weeks... Like he looks fit, he looks ready to go for this. I've, I've been quite impressed by him.
2: Yeah, fair fair play, fair play. And I think um, Jay, you were shaking your head earlier when um Shabs was talking about you know how Brentford are gonna set up to play this season, you know, um, and then nodding along when uh he was mentioning Leeds and uh and other teams and how they've come up to the to the Premier League to play football. So you know, Thomas Frank, I think he was successful at his second attempt um at the playoffs. So do you want to let us know a bit more about you know Brentford's style of play um and what, what sort of things um, we're gonna be seeing from from them uh, this season and and obviously against Arsenal on Friday?
0: Yeah, so let me firstly say Shabs was only shaking my head because Thomas Frank basically got asked what you kind of suggested earlier in a press conference, and someone made the comparison of Leeds. And they said, you know, is Leeds kind of your benchmark? You know, they come up, they don't change the way they play. Sheffield United the year before as well. And he said, obviously, like, we respect those teams, like, but we're going to do it our way. But yeah, the focus is very much on... I said it in a piece on The Athletic. Yes, if they avoid relegation, that's absolutely amazing. They finished 17th and they nick it by a point. Absolutely amazing season. But that's not how the club works. This club is an ambitious club. They want to go as high as they can. That's why I was giving a little cheeky shake of the head. Um, But in terms of the style and the way that they play, they really like playing out from the back. David Ray was obviously linked with Arsenal, but I think you guys put in a bid for him a year ago. um, And his passing range is absolutely exceptional. I'm not talking Edison level, but some of the pinpoint kicks that he he makes on the counter, they're going to be a big threat. Um, But yeah, they really like playing the ball out from the back. Shandon Baptiste and Justin Silva are key in that. Christian Norgard as well, very calm under the ball. Um, And obviously Tony got all his goals in the box but it's very much about movement inside the area, working the ball out wide, getting those crosses into the box and then out of possession. When when you boys go to a game this year, if you get the opportunity to go on Friday or the reverse fixture, listen to Thomas Frank because you will hear him cut through the crowd as this guy, time after time, demands his team play high up the pitch. I'm thinking there's there's no more room for them to go. They're going to be off off the sidelines in a minute. Um, But that's how he likes them to play out of possession. Really, really aggressive, like I said, Frank Onyeka, Vitaliano, those guys in the centre of the pitch are going to be absolutely critical to that. The only, obviously, question mark is that if you're playing against a team that are very, very good at playing out of the press, um, I kind of saw it a little bit in the Man United pre-season friendly. Lingard and Greenwood got in some nice spaces in between that. um, And they can be in a bit of danger. So I guess from an Arsenal perspective, Arteta might be looking at thinking, right, how can I get Emil Smith-Rowe between those guys? And then, you know, supplying the ball that wide to Aubameyang, sort of Saka, Pepe, whoever's playing on the other flank.
5: Don't worry, we're awful at coming out of presses, so you won't have any issues. <laughs> You've seen Zaka trying to get out of a press, oh my god.
2: Yeah, so, yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Um, so to wrap up this sort of Brentford preview piece, um, score predictions time, you know, you have to you have to end every preview with a score prediction, get everyone not sitting on the fence, um, and we you ha- have to pick a side. So, Jay, I'll start with you. Um, Brentford first game Friday night football under the lights against Arsenal. What's the score?
0: I'm going two one hey. Brentford.
4: big, big. Easy. Got to
0: remember, they moved to their new stadium 11 months ago, and they've only played only played in front of fans there five times. Hmm. Friday night is number six. It's the first time they're in front of Everybody, first ever time in the Prem, first time in the top flight in 74 years. You all know what you Arsenal fans are like. If after 20 minutes, 30 minutes, is looking a bit hairy and those fans are thinking, the Brentford fans are thinking, we never thought we'd get to the Premier League here or Arsenal, they're looking shaky. Uh, I don't see it going in your favour.
2: Okay. Someone said so. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. Lewis, come to you next.
5: I love the optimism, Jay. I really do. Um, <laughs> listen, it's very hard for me to be um, confident as an Arsenal fan. Um, but this isn't a game that I earmark as being um, particularly... Every game is going to be right. Let me get my words right here because I feel like I'm going to get myself in trouble. But um, I, it, it, this isn't a game I've earmarked as being a, a, you know, one of our most difficult games. I think you'll come and play. And I think um, that will... Probably suit us a little bit actually um i'm gonna say we'll snatch a 2-1 win two lacazette goals i reckon um i just wonder about your quality at the back um lacazette's not the best striker in the world but he's a bit of a bully boy um if he can have you up and he can, uh, you know, get a little space in the area. Then he, he, he likes to score goals against players he's a lot better than. So we'll, we'll see. I could be really wrong, but I, f- I expect us to win, and I think we'll win 2 1. I
0: don't think okay. Shabs, he was shaking his head though. He was rolling his like the second you said Lacazette, he thought, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's
5: a, he's a, he's a flat track bully, Lacazette. So,
2: yeah, Shabs, Shabs, you, yeah, you're very animated there. Um, so I'll get your prediction next.
5: No, because i because Lewis, like, who is Lacazette getting away from? That's the bit that I was disillusioned. Yeah, I mean, listen, Lacazette scored what? How many goals last season? So, I mean, let's not pretend he doesn't score goals in the Premier League.
4: No, I just, I don't think Lacazette can get away from himself, mate. So, I just, oh. yeah, I just, I, 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 don't even think your, I don't think your prediction is wild. Well. I, I just think the, 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 the scorer. But, He's the um, only
5: one we can rely on to score at the moment, Shab. So uh yeah, that's, yep, yep, that's yep, where yep, my yep. head's at. <laughs> You're friggin' right.
4: I think I, I just I think a one-one. I think a one-one. I think Brentford are gonna score at home. Um yeah, I think a, a one-one. That's
2: that's that's what I go with. Yeah, Sean.
3: Yeah, I feel like I, I'm gonna agree with Lewis and I'm gonna go 2 one Arsenal. Um not necessarily because I have a lot of confidence in us, but because I'm predicting us to lose the next two games afterwards. So this is really our only chance to get um, points on the board straight away. And if um, Jay is right and, you know, Thomas Frank believes in his ideals of playing out from the back, you know, it's obviously a very admirable strategy. Norwich tried the same when they were in it a couple of seasons ago, they're back again. But, you know, playing out from the back in the Prem um, is risky at the best of times you know I've even seen Man City Liverpool make mistakes playing out from the back as well so you just have to be precise and you know it, it's one of those and I feel like if they do open up because um I feel like that's our best chance to score you know Arsenal haven't been good at breaking down deep blocks um under Arteta at all so if um if Brentford do make a game of it and they come on to us and they open up I think that will probably be our best chance of you know um getting in behind so yeah I'm I'm gonna go Two one, but I'm gonna feel like Brentford will put us under. I'm gonna go two one Arsenal, but I feel like Brentford will put Arsenal under a lot of pressure as well.
2: Yeah, fair play. Um German Dan, thanks for joining us. Um, I'll come to you next with the prediction. Um, either
1: is he there? Yeah, can you guys hear me? Charlemagne, are we live?
5: <laughs> yeah, straight straight from Berlin. <laughs>
2: Boy, I
1: didn't want to. I didn't want to miss this. this there's um this depression you know i get, I get off on this kind of stuff so
5: <laughs> <laughs> what kind of sad sadistic person are you
1: <laughs> yeah Well we are my prediction is um i think it'll be a 2-2 um i think um both teams can score um for the reasons Lewis and um sharon have mentioned i think we, we will score just don't quite trust us at the back and i also feel like our season is not going to start great um but it's not going to be a shit show so um, it's going to be one of the ones where a lot of our tech fans will argue and say, "Listen, Brentford are really good. They uh, just just come up. All this, all this kind of um, context they'll give and um, make excuses, and then we all get smashed." I think against City and Chelsea, it's just it's just a delay of getting smashed. I think so. Um, I don't think we'll lose, but I don't think we'll win either. So,
2: yeah, fair play, fair play. Um, I think our opening games tend to be quite high-scoring. I think last season, Fulham, um, we kicked off the first game 3-0. I think when we played Leicester, first game at the Emirates, that was a 4-3 match. That was crazy. Um, So I think it will probably be a high-scoring game again. I think Lacazette is actually, to be fair to Lewis, he could be the first person in history to to score. Um, on the open, like the first goal of the season for, for three seasons, three different seasons, so maybe he might be good for a goal if he wants that that record, uh, get his name in the history books there. So I'm going to say three one um, to Arsenal. Uh That's a big score for for us, but I think with Brentford sort of playing out the back, that's one thing that I have seen that we've done decently um in pre season is press from the front. Um, and that's probably the only way that we're going to create chances. So I think we can have some joy there. Um, I don't think it's going to be a, a walk in the park. I think Brentford are definitely there to, to play some football, cause us some problems, especially if we're playing with that um, that high line. But I'm going to go 3-1. And as Sean said, that's probably going to be um, the only points we get on the board until uh, game week four. So um, hopefully if we can't beat Brentford, then I don't really know what any of us are are, are doing here but Jay um, thank you
5: (laughs) Jay is not impressed by that comment at all
2: (laughs) (laughs) yeah um, but Jay thank you very much for for coming on Um, you've been very knowledgeable um, dropped that dropped uh, some some great information about Brentford so I'm definitely going to be taking note of the the content that you're putting out um, on The Athletic and I'm sure our listeners um, and watchers will be um, as well so uh, do you want to let um, everyone know where they can find you on, on, on the social media? Yeah, obviously, Firstly
0: Boys, thank you for having me. It's been been an absolute blast. Um, so, you know, reverse fixture. If you're not too upset about losing on Friday night. You know, <laughs> um, yeah, you can find me on at J-A-Y-D-M Harris on, on Twitter. Um, my Instagram is Jay the athletic. And yeah, um, let's see what Friday brings. Yeah.
2: Thanks, thanks again for coming on. Cheers, mate. Cheers, Jay. So guys, um, what what do we think? What, how are we feeling, German Dan? I know you wanted to you wanted to come and vent a little bit um, on on this podcast. So I'll hand over to you. We're going into this new season now. When this when this uh, pod comes out, it's going to be one day away. Mm-hmm. Friday night football under the lights. Talk to All me. Right. How are you feeling about this season?
1: Listen, I can't lie to you, man. I, I try to keep very calm about Arsenal try to keep very composed about arsenal um but my head is in the sky man my head is really really in the sky at the moment um you guys see me in a group chat man i I don't think i ever sent that that many voice notes in my life just sending voices every day (laughs) because i can't even type anymore like but the autocorrect is finishing me like i don't know man my head is definitely in the sky it's not like i had high expectations for this window but i had some expectations and that was most definitely a mistake. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean this window—the way this window has been, has wet, has gone um, I—I couldn't have imagined it. Honestly, this—this this is how bad it's been. Um, especially with—with with all the cloth talk I, I was given us at the start of the window. Unprecedented were some of the words that he used. I really, I really thought—not—not not that, I've, no. I—I did think that they were gonna move. Um, a bit more aggressive but I didn't think it was going to be as aggressive as I wanted them to but I didn't think they were going to move the way they moved, moved this window at all like there was literally I mean we still haven't bid for uh, medicine, Udegaard etc etc all these every time interested 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 yeah I'm interested in things as well it doesn't mean I'm going to do them you know so like you guys need to do some stuff I see you do on holiday in Monte Carlo I see you mm. do on holiday in Mallorca People can't get annual leave right now because you know, like, these are corona, these are, corona is corona. These are, these are countries on the Ember list, man. Like, how you getting over there with the Arsenal with the Arsenal XM ex, um, exemption letter and enjoying? Like, I just don't get. It. My, he's chilling with Raúl. Raúl is still eating off the paycheck Arsenal gave him from when he fired when he got fired. Like, it's just like, like in terms of like like PR and publicity, I, I think it's just really really bad and. I mean, everyone can have annual leave, but not when it's the most crucial time in your job to deliver something. Mm-hmm. This is the period I, I have had no annual leave. It's August, but it does on holiday, like the guy with the big Hublot watch. Like, what, nah, I'm 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 really riled, real, man. Um, it's very really bad, bad PR. Well.
5: It's very bad PR.
1: Yeah, man, it's really bad, especially when we're so slow in the moves. And I, I'm really the excuses people were given were one the oh. euros. Two, the market is moving slow. I mean, it didn't prevent United from doing what they needed to do. The f- two top targets that they needed to get, they got them. We are here doing, like, you know, double-double for Ramsdale. Like, I just don't get it, man. It's really, really yeah. erratic of me, man. Anyway, so, man. I'm...
2: No, yeah, I, think, I, think, cool. I think it's definitely just an interesting one because I know people have said, you know, um, they've been unable to shift players, they've been unable to... You know, the the market is, it's a slow market. I get that. I get that. I'm not going to be, you know, overly harsh on the market being slow. But what I'm saying is, I'm seeing this club spend £105 million, right? So if, if you know, United are about, they say, what are our priority positions? Um, We want a a, a centre-back to partner Maguire. We want a right-winger to come there and, and help Bamisaka out. Um, we don't we haven't had a right winger for a few years they go out and get that done then there's talk of a right back to um to be back up to to wan and potentially a centre midfielder to come in um if Paul Pogba leaves right so I'm looking at this and they they prioritize their positions and they, their first targets are ones that improve the first eleven. when you know that the window is going to be slow and the window is going to be difficult why would you then go out and spend this money on positions that don't elevate the, elevate the team. Because now what we're hearing is, you know, because what we're hearing is, oh, yeah, judge us at the end of the window. But I want to judge you at the start of the window. I want to judge you before the season starts. I want to judge you when the Euros ends. I want to judge you because we were told Arteta needs this preseason. You know, he didn't have enough time to work with the players. Only three days a week last um, between games last, last season. this that and the other. But we've seen preseason now with the exact same players that we had last year. So what's going to be different? You're telling me in 18 months, this guy couldn't convey his messages, but now in six weeks, these same players who've been hearing it week in, week out, they're going to hear and, and click something new? I don't understand. It's, it seems to me that it's been a waste of time um, going after these targets who game week one are not going to make a difference. If you sign Tavares deadline day or Lukonga deadline day, what's, there's no issue. But what there, there is an issue with you signing the guys that are going to slip into your first 11 and need that time in the preseason to get to know their teammates who are going to be playing week in, week out. If they're not in that preseason, season you've wasted time. You've wasted valuable time. So for me, this club is moving nuts. Yeah. I, 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 gen, I, I genuinely I can't rationalise half the stuff that they're doing. Okay, it's £80 million on a goalkeeper and centre-back after you just came eighth, you can't score goals, you can't create chances, I think is madness it's actually sheer madness that, that that's what they've done and that's what they've prioritised. So boy, um, I don't know if anyone wants to add anything to that.
5: I think, I think, I think we've rolled the dice. I think what we've done is, is we've rolled the dice and we've said, um, what's going to, we're, we're relying on things to happen on the last week. Essentially we're relying on those dominoes to fall, you know, um, the the, the we, we clearly need to get rid of players to bring in. I think that's essentially what it is. Um, maybe not necessarily the the money in terms of the you know the actual transfer fees but getting players off the books and i think they're expecting heavy movement to come in in the last week of the window where people are desperate people are you know we're, we're desperate fucking hell we're desperate you know but it's a very bad way to conduct business i think um i think we're relying on play uh, on clubs to stop bluffing they don't want to pay 80 million for madison or you know they don't want to pay that amount for madison so their thinking is we'll leave it to the last window let's see how serious leicester really are about holding us to you know that kind of uh valuation whether it will work or not i don't know man i don't know we we waited all window to get thomas Partey just to pay the release clause on the last day so um i'm very much doubtful of of this of this technique but I do understand it to a certain degree, but I mean, look, we just need players in. We need players in. Surely you just play the premium to, to get these players in from the start of the the window. Get, like you say, get, get a good preseason under the belt. Be prepared for once. Fucking hell. Be prepared for the season that is coming. We're not prepared. We're not prepared. We finished eighth last season. We saw it last season. We brought Thomas Partey in on the last day of the window, who, I think his season was impacted by that, personally, because he didn't have the preseason to prepare. He picked up injuries because he wasn't fit enough, clearly. Struggling to acclimatise. And that essentially impacted his season. He's such an integral part to how we want to play. That's in turn had an impact on our season. That is the results of not preparing. That is the results of not paying the premium for players to come in straight away. Like I said in the start of the podcast, I think they've just... They've just written off pre international break. I think that's what they've done. And yeah. and and that I think the international break is like two weeks or whatever. We have the three games, then there's like two weeks. And that will act as the pre season for these players that we're gonna we're gonna bring in. But I don't think that's the right way to do it. And I, I think they're playing a very risky business right now when they have no fucking right to do this risky shit. They have no right to do it because we're not in a position to take any risks at all. We have to get our shit done and be ready because there are teams coming for us, mate. There are teams coming for us. And I thought I'd never say that sitting at eight for the league, but there are teams coming for us and we we could actually be looking back uh, over our shoulders than, you know, looking up the table.
4: Yeah, Yeah. I'm not
5: having any of it. I'm not having any of it because
4: we can talk all we want about um, this being a difficult market to get rid of players and that. We have had the opportunities to do the right business. And I say this time and again about how poorly the club has been run. But these same players who were struggling to now offload were, you know, were not used, were underused last season. Yeah, where there were offers on the table for them. Yeah, we failed to execute. That's indecisiveness. And we are being made to pay for our lack of decisiveness and our incompetence. So that's my first issue. My second issue is that the order yeah, and the prioritization of the targets, whichever way you want to look at it, has been horrendous. If you want to consider it chronologically from the opening of the window in terms of the actual business that we've done or the business that we've attempted to do, it's not good enough. Yeah, there was the attempt of Buendia. How you allow and, – and, and people had their ideas and their thoughts at the, at the time, but um, Dan Coog's used it. It's looking higgy right now do you know what i mean it's looking even worse under the lights when you really start to dissect it you know we made the attempt for buendia the bottom line is that we just were never really serious about that business if we were serious about that business we could have concluded that i'm not saying that that solves all of our problems that he's the answer to our problems but that but that that gives you a bit of comfort as a fan, a tiny degree of comfort that you lot are taking it as serious as we see it in terms of addressing one of the primary issues about a chance creator. Haven't been able to do that business, yeah, but neither have you gone about securing a, a, a an alternative, yeah? You haven't made any further subsequent bids for alternatives. We can talk about God potentially, we can talk about Madison all of that. All of that to me is irrelevant. It's not until I see it happen I'm not counting Any of it—it's all paper talk. It's all this. It's all that. It's all speculation. I'm not. I'm not counting or believing any of it. But the prioritization of targets in this window have been poor. You know, we um, we um, secured. Who was our first signing? Was it Lukonga? I really love Lukonga. I'm on record about Lukonga. I think yeah, absolutely, the boy has got something. Yeah, I think we will see it in time if he comes in and is put into a position where he actually has to deliver for us sooner than um, his, his fair uh, expectation to be placed on him, then boy, but actually I really like him and I think he could be really good if he's given the space and the environment to grow. But he was our first business, yeah? So as a squad centre midfielder, yeah, squad player centre midfielder. Second deal of the season done was a backup left back, yeah? The third deal was the 50 mil on Ben White, yeah? The fourth deal, sorry, was um, is potentially... Ramsdale at £30 million, yeah? I see nothing. I see nothing that assures me as a fan, as a person that's uh, invested in this club that says, yeah, these men are serious about the targets. They see these things the same way as we see them and they're seeking to address these issues. The right-back issue. Right-back's a pipe dream for us fans. We're not going to get a right-back, Frank. Left wing is a priority, you know, we've spoken about the the, the 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 players who are available, who went left wing. Tens a priority. We've spoken about these players as well. Nothing central midfield is a priority. They haven't addressed it. What they've done is they've re-signed Shaka. You know what I mean? So it's absolutely horrendous. And I say this, my third issue and the bigger picture, when you consider all parts, is that you've had a legitimate opportunity in this window, this COVID context, to level things out. This window is actually a bit of an equalizer. Yeah. And we, you, for the same spend, for the same spend, the same amount that we've spent right now. So let's not make it about money or whatever. For the same 100 million or 80 mil that we spent today, we could have made sign-ins already in this window, in this market, which immeasurably improved our first team. Yeah. We have failed to do it. So we fucked up. We have absolutely fumbled the bag. There's no other way around it until i see something different until i see uh proper targets come in until i see proper players who come into this team and improve that um that abysmal first 11 from last season i'm not buying any of it man it's absolute bullshit.
1: you know you know what the thing is yeah i think start of start of the euros i, I said something like oh we've we signed on tavares, tavares lukonga um potentially white all seem like cute signings to me, but where are the real where are the real deals? fans saying um, we're judging too early, we're you know, um like give the club time, they'll you know, all this stuff. It's, it's, nothing has changed yet. The, those all those deals are cute. They're they're not game changers. They're not game changers. And if I look at the Lokonga deal, if I look at the Tavares deal, um Lokonga I like a lot. Tavares, why do we sign the Portuguese left back? If, if we're so bound, if you're so hinged on homegrown players there is a bunch of left um left backs in the in the the championship that you can sign as a backup who are english and homegrown who filled our criteria and are cheap why are we signing a portuguese guy lukonga again i say i like him but we're signing against someone that is not homegrown here so two two squad players not homegrown when in turn we could sign two european players with european um international um, experience Champions league experience who are not homegrown? This is where you like make the right decisions. You you sign someone like an hour for twenty mil. You could sign someone like a brand for twenty five mil. Not homegrown players, but they are first team players. We're gonna play if they if they join us. Um, or, or Malen for thirty mil. Do you know that there's there's options out there, and really really as you said, this window could have been an equalizer because we evidently have a lot of money to play with. Really, it's just a spunking up the wall. The European market is in tatters apart from probably the Bundesliga, All the other leagues. You can, you can drape players out of those leagues for good, good money, like good, good money. It's just about identifying the right targets and setting a strategy in place. And I don't think, the from what I've seen, the strategy is something that I can agree with because they're looking at a, a very English core in a time where the prices for these English players are going up. And you're signing already ready-made um, English players. I would look at how end. So this is why... and. I mean, I've been on record. I've been slandering Willock for um, for a bit on podcasts and stuff. But I've been on record saying, oh, Willock, sell him. A- that's not a good sell to me. We are, we are we are saying now English players, their market value is going up. We have a guy that's 21 years old, scored what, eight, nine goals in the Premier League. Okay, he's probably not going to have the same scoring rate right next season. But he'll probably get five, six, seven goals again next season. English, young, homegrown, he takes all the boxes. We're selling him for 20, 25 mil. When we're when we, when, when we not arguing that we're we signing English best because price of the brick is going up. So why are we selling us for so cheap? Why are we not, why are we not managing the, the English assets that we have accordingly? In Ketsia, 12 months left on this deal. Realistically, he should have been extended last year and then sent on loan to, to extract the maximum value. Same thing for Nelson, both in difficult contract situations, probably gonna leave for way under their value um, in the market, may even leave for free. You know, and this is just, it's just very, very disappointing. I think the only positive, real positive, I can take from this window is ESR um, signing a new contract at the moment. So I've, everything apart from that is like with a pinch of salt, even the Congo, because I look at the Congo and think, I'm not sure if he's going to be ready this year. Also, that means we could have probably signed Basuma instead of him. You could have probably signed a instead of him. It kind of comes with a pinch of salt. Like he needs to be really, really good and needs to be able to do it this season for that sign to make sense for me. because... Football is about the now. Yeah, you plan for the future, but you need people that influence you now, especially given the way the last two, three years have gone for Arsenal Football Club, you know, so.
2: Yeah, I think you guys have both raised some very, very good points. Um, I think a lot of us Arsenal fans are all a bit disillusioned with the direction of the club, um, to put it mildly. You know, I think there's very little that we can hold on to that, to, to actually say that these men are taking the club in the right direction. I think when you're seeing new contracts for Holding, new contracts for Xhaka, um, rumours of Bellerin being offered a new contract, rumours of Nani being offered a new contract, rumours of Lacazette being offered a new contract, Mustafi before them um, last year. It looks like these guys are very, very um, happy to stay where we are um, and not do the necessary to to move forward. Um, this year, I swear to God, if I'm seeing Rob holding where captain's armband, um, I might have to, you know, do 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 a move like like Leroy grab the belly, and and we're going to hit up Arteta. You know what I mean? No face, no case. Um, but this season, boys, make or break. I know in the group chat people have been saying, you know, fifth or sixth um, will be good enough, um, but. Boy, it's not good enough for me, I'm afraid. Um, what Arsenal have done historically in backing this guy? This guy might be the most backed manager of all time. Um, giving him not sacking him in in that horrible run last year, not sacking him after going out to Unai Emery in the manner that he did. Um, giving him then a hundred and five million pound to spend, and our first eleven has not improved. Um, boy, I have got. I don't want any excuses. This guy's been backed now. As far as I'm concerned, this guy's been backed, he's been backed more than I ever expected anyone with his track record or what he's shown to be backed. Um, and so, boy, I need I need, I need, a madness from him this year. I need him to show that he deserves this and he's of the level of the top managers in this division. Because otherwise, if he's not, I don't understand why we're keeping him if he doesn't show that. There's managers out there who we know, certified, can do a better job than Mikel Arteta um both at helping and dealing with with projects getting getting rid of players with them their connections then their network etc there's better directors of football as well than than edu so i don't want to hear anything um i don't want to hear Pim in terms of excuses for these man the writing needs to be on the wall i need to see output i need to see points accumulation i need to see us up there in the table otherwise this guy's finished as far as i'm concerned absolutely finished um, But,
5: Lewis, anything you wanted to add? No, man. No. (laughs) Like, (laughs) I think... I think we've covered everything comprehensively, man. It's just... Listen, like I said, I just want to skip forward to September 1st um, or whenever the uh, transfer window closes. Is it September 1st? Uh, 30th of August, I think. 30th of August. Fucking hell, so it's even earlier. So, look, we've got just under three weeks to you know hope and pray that something happens that's all we can do like as fans we can't do much else um we just gotta hope that the club do that the risk that they are doing it comes off for us and you know it's going to be frustrating because the thing is the way that things have panned out and the way that things have mapped out is that we could sign madison and latora martinez right and the context around those sign-ins now, I would still be like, okay, it's... Uh, I, I still wouldn't be satisfied if if that makes sense because...
1: Yeah, definitely, definitely, I agree. It, it,
5: but whereas if we had done those sign-ins earlier on in the summer, and, and I know maybe it, it's not possible, right? Maybe it wasn't possible. If we had things in place at the start of the window and and the beginning of the, the pre-season, I think that, that window, the same window... Would have looked a lot better, and we would have been feeling a lot more optimistic by things. But due to the the lack of planning, that the flip-flopping on Xhaka, no centre midfielder coming, you know, links to Ramsdale, you know, positions that we deem to be lower down on the priority list have been prioritised ahead of the fucking gaping holes in our team. It really is painting such a and, and leaving a sour uh, taste in in my mouth. You know it's' is it's something I can't get behind and even if we were to pull off a miracle sign in for Madison and get get Latoro Martinez as well yeah I'd be excited about those sign-ins I would be but I, I just don't have any confidence in this manager I don't have any confidence in this board we, we're just winging it at the moment absolutely winging it and these players and and these 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 guys let's let's not forget these guys are getting paid significant amounts of money. <laughs> to, to actually carry out this job that they're that they're doing so incompetently as well, so um, it, it's just a shit show, man. But I'll I'll wait until September, until August thirtieth before I, you know, give my real judgment. But as things stand, we, we we would have to do, we would have to move heaven and earth to ha- mm. to make me satisfied at the end of this window. Mm. for real,
2: for real, for real. So, um. I'm going to leave it there. Um, thanks, everyone, for, for listening. Thanks for watching. Make sure you drop a like on, on that video if you're watching on YouTube. Make sure you follow us um, on all the socials, at uh, Touchagunas, at Um Also, Patreon, make sure you subscribe. We've got some pre-season um, predictions. I think we'll probably do that after the window closes. We're going to be getting everyone's predictions from the whole um, from the whole team, and we'll, we'll be putting that out there. So we can we'll do post match,
5: post match of yeah. Brentford, I'm guessing, as well. So yeah. listen, that, <laughs> might, that might be a heavy one still. Oh, so, yeah, I can't I lie, you, you, you lot are gonna have to start paying me, a, uh, pay, paying Touchy Gulas a bit more to for us to come out and produce this, this content, <laughs> mate. Because
2: oh, I can't lie, it's not easy the way this team's set up right now, you know? It's not, easy. yeah, yeah, but, exactly. But yeah, um. Thanks everyone for listening um, and take
5: care. To 2 2, and we've still got
2: half an hour to go,
4: and here's Urzil. Ozil! Could Could
1: it I to see
5: you Man could have had that fight, but I'm going to walk on sight. Man had to that man. You're not going to split this time. Trying to work with the oh, good energy. behind. It with the fight. None of these guys could It's a like, oh. it. That's, That's that
4: the side. response of Arsenal. That's the line.
2: Chelsea. Simply. You can focus in the joy
5: of equalising. But I would see you wrong. Right. Man could have had that fight.
1: Sports Social Podcast Network.